If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. The Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor World Tour making a pit stop. They had to get some water, a Slurpee, and they stopped out in Canada on Wednesday to hang out. the The circus was in town, and I I, I watched this twice, uh, mainly because there was a very little activity going on uh, of any substance in the wacky world of sports. So I was able to watch this multiple times. And in it was more performance art. It's what it does. To describe, I hope you've seen these things, and they're on YouTube. You don't have to like pay for the for the news conference, but it was performance art. The two combatants here, 
bringing the turbulence in Toronto, uh, throwing it down. (laughs) You cannot have a sports-related event uh, that is part of Canada without Drake showing up. He was there. He had to make an appearance. Hello, everybody. I'm still here. I'm Mr. Toronto. Isn't he still a goodwill ambassador for the Toronto Raptors? I believe he is. I believe he is still a goodwill ambassador for the Toronto Raptors. So they they played all all that kinds of hype music. I even heard the Florida State slash Atlanta Brave war chant that has become so infamous with those two institutions in sports uh, when there's a big event. I heard that prior to the uh, – it was uh, it was all over the place. It, it was, again, a pro-Conor McGregor crowd. He's got the people. That's why all these bets are coming in on Conor McGregor. Uh, he's dominating the early money on that fight, not even close, even though most who know point out that McGregor's not actually going to win the fight, but he's certainly winning this. Now, some of the highlights, Conor McGregor had the Vince McMahon LeVar Ball pimp walk uh, when he got on stage there in Toronto. He made a little walk there. The notorious Conor McGregor, he was spitting fire. He was on fire. Now, he started off by getting the crowd going. And whenever you go to a pep rally, I remember back when I was in school, you got to get the crowd going. You got to get a cheer going. And so Conor McGregor thought, well, what could I do to inspire some excitement? How can I get the crowd going here? What kind of chant should I do? When I count the tree, I want this entire arena to scream, the Mayweathers. Yeah. One, two, three. F the Mayweathers. Yeah. He won't Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> nothing. That's right. <laughs> Did anyone pick us up on, like, live television? I don't know. I watched it on the internet. Was it on TV anywhere, like actual TV? I'm sure someone probably broadcasted. That must have been awkward. Uh, so that was the opening salvo. But it, but wait, it got even better because then Conor McGregor pivoted and walked up to the pay-per-view boss. The Irishman strolled over to a guy from Showtime. Stephen Espinoza is his name. And this is the one that is putting all of this together in cahoots with Floyd Mayweather, putting the TV broadcast together. And listen to Conor McGregor here give his thoughts on what he thinks of Steven Espinoza. And while we're at it, showtime too, you little weasel. Look at you, you little weasel. I can see it in your eyes. Cut my mic off. Cut the champ champ's mic off. Hell no. You Weasel, and you Oh, come on. They bleeped that part out, too? What's wrong with the uh, editing department here? He uh, called him a weasel and a bitch is what he called him. That's that's what he said there. Now, why was McGregor so upset? You heard the, the last clip kind of referencing this. The fact that the conspiracy is that Conor McGregor's microphone was cut while he was on stage in Los Angeles. And Showtime denying that. They claim it is not true. They are not to blame. This is not some kind of grand conspiracy. Uh, but the, the, the best part, you couldn't hear this on the, the audio that we played because it's a visual thing. But while that was going on, while McGregor was pointing and calling the head of Showtime a weasel and a female dog, uh, even Floyd and his posse started laughing. 
They, they, thought, they thought that was wonderful. They thought that was just great. And it was. It was a tremendous performance art there. A great thespian act by Conor McGregor uh, to, to do that. To have the, the Mayweather posse, all those meathead steroid bodyguards uh, laughing hysterically was uh, quite enjoyable. And uh, some of the other highlights, McGregor pointing out the uh, the age thing. He said, when I was 28, you know, he says, you're 28 now. He says, I'm 28 now. I got all this money and all this stuff. And then he pointed out how uh, Floyd Mayweather, when he was 28 years old, he was in a different situation. When, when he was 28, Mayweather, he was on the Oscar De La Hoya undercard. He's going on and on. He kept calling Floyd all kinds of names. And, uh, and then he questioned why Mayweather would be in the strip club business. Like why he would be in there and what, what he was doing. We have that audio? I don't know if we have that audio. But Mayweather said, or, or McGregor rather said, what the F is he, Mayweather, doing with those 50 strippers on his payroll? He can't even read. He can't even read. Trust what me. What the yeah. f- is he wearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a little breakdancer. I'm a little 12-year-old breakdancer. What the f***? He's 40. You're 40 years of age. Dress your f***ing age. Carrying a school bag on stage. What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, So, listen, a a couple of big takeaways from this. And, boy, was it fun. Uh, To start, Conor McGregor, what we already knew we were reinforced with, much more entertaining in fact, I would go as far as to say what I I watched the the news conference both days, the pep rally. Conor McGregor is more entertaining than Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and Stephen Colbert combined. If you provided all three of those people and put them into one, they would not be as enjoyable as what Conor McGregor was in this news conference. He was so amusing that he should be one of the new Netflix comedians. You know how they have these big name comedians that come on Netflix and. Uh, and every every month or every other month, they have a big uh, Chris Rock or somebody like that will do a stand-up. They should have Conor McGregor come out there and just do F-bomb and, and call everyone a bitch and just go through it and be great. Now, once Money Mayweather got to the mic, it was painfully obvious, painfully obvious that he he's in over his head in the verbal octagon of hyping up a fight. It just is – this is not – something that he's good at, and and certainly compared to Conor McGregor, this is a disaster. This is an absolute disaster. In fact, when Mayweather got up there in classic WWE fashion, a chant broke out, this outdoor theater in Toronto, and they started chanting, pay your taxes, pay your taxes. There looked like there were a few thousand people there. They were, pay your taxes. They, they 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 were going nuts. They were going on and on there, and so uh, Mayweather, what's he owe, 22, 23 million, something like that, uh, in taxes. It's nice to know that our Canadian friends are concerned about the U.S. tax situation. Uh, it, was, it was very nice. Uh, and furthermore, pretty much everything Mayweather said, the Notorious had a pretty good quip back. It was punch-counterpunch of the verbal variety, and uh, Mayweather trying to point out while the fans were booing and giving him a hard time, he tried to not drop some knowledge on this, that the fans are great, but there's a problem. One thing we do know, the fans can't fight for you. Shoot your 
if you missed that, McGregor said the fans can't fight for you, and McGregor said, shut your effing mouth. <laughs> that was that was the, the comeback there. And there were some other examples. Uh, Mayweather pointed out, he said, hey, bitch, I make money. Connor then immediately came back and said, you owe money. And see, that was the, the, the good part of this. There were several good parts of it, but the fact that Mayweather was drowning while he was trying to speak. Like Mayweather was, was in over his head here, so they left McGregor's microphone on. So it turned into a back-and-forth situation. They went back and forth continuously because Mayweather, if you just leave him up there, he would have had flop sweat, and they would have had to drag him off the stage with a gong if they had just left him out there, Mayweather, without any assistance. But uh, the, the, the back-and-forth, uh, the, the uh, Mayweather said at one point, he said, I'm 40, but I look 20. And then Conor McGregor had the great comeback to that one when he said, you act 10. It's outstanding. The timing on that was wonderful. We have a little bit. Give me a little more. Give me a little taste of what it was like there between these two combatants in the verbal octagon. The bad guy books, and we're going to show you what the books look like. If you believe in yourself like you say you believe in yourself, bitch, your whole fight check, you (laughs) No problem. Send the contract, kid. It's done. Yeah. That's, uh, of course, the way that McGregor phrased that is uh, send the contract over, which means lawyers have to be involved in it, which means it's not going to happen. Uh, The crescendo moment of all of this, and you work up to that big crescendo, was Mayweather, he grabbed an Irish flag from the crowd and then danced around the stage with it. And look at me. And so McGregor then, in a completely unscripted moment, unless it wasn't, uh, grabbed the infamous Floyd Mayweather childhood elementary school backpack and then opened it and pulled some money out and claimed there was only $5,000 inside the backpack. And then that led to an unusual stare down. Uh, And so they've now turned into using props like Carrot Top. That's what they, day two, and they're already using prop comedy. Uh, and, and that was as natural as the Yadier Molina photo of Nelson Cruz and Joe West in the All-Star game. Not staged at all. Not uh, Mayweather has an army of meatless dopes that stand around him at all times to protect his money. Uh, they protect his money. And, and he's going to allow Conor McGregor just to grab that money on the, the backpack and all that? Come on. Come on now. So, but hey, it was enjoyable. Now they'll go to Brooklyn on Thursday, and we'll see if they have more prop comedy. What's the, who's going to, is Jay-Z going to be there in Brooklyn? What's the Jay, who do they have to pull out? Spike Lee? Who do they pull out there? What New York-centric celebrity do they have to pull on stage? Because they had Drake at this event in Toronto, so they have to get some Brooklyn guy to show up there. All right, let's uh, let's listen. We have a little more, and then we will go to the judges' scorecards. There's a better. That's it. That's it. Awesome. There's about five grand in here. <laughs> There's about five grand in here. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the big reveal when he opened the backpack there. And, uh, the timing on that was great. It was just, just absolutely wonderful. 
All right, so let's go to the judges' scorecards. How did we score the pep rally Toronto? Uh, now, McGregor came out, dominated early. The fact that Floyd Mayweather needed help from Conor McGregor, that McGregor had an open mic while Mayweather was speaking, tells you all you need to know. Uh, that's like doing a pep rally with training wheels. And so I, I am going to score this a convincing 10-8 to eight win in favor of Conor McGregor. He won the L.A. News Conference or pep rally, whatever you want to call it, 10-9. to nine. So we are two events in. And the best the money team can do at this point is to come rally back, rally back now and win in Brooklyn and then win in London. And then they can be tied up, but they have to dominate the last two. And I don't see a scenario. I don't see a path that to happen, especially in London, where you would think if Mayweather is getting booed in L.A. and in Toronto, what's it going to be like when he gets to London? Yikes. All right, Edmund Dallas Steamboat Willie is in the house. He's right there. Yeah, Big Ben, I agree with yeah. you 100%. Oh, you. Uh, my scorecard would read exactly the same. Oh, so you had a 10-8 in favor of Absolutely. McGregor? Absolutely. Okay, there yeah. were a couple of knockout blows thrown there in Toronto. <laughs> it was great. And you know these guys are just going backstage and just laughing hysterically together, right? This is all this is all a gag, and they're having a great time. And they're very good at it. They're very successful at it. And, uh, yeah, McGregor, this guy should have a comedy show. He should do a, a late-night TV Event, a no, pay-per-view. I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, MMA guy. I don't watch a lot of UFC fights. Maybe just every once in a while I'll look at something. But uh, I, I, I knew McGregor had a strong mic game. Yeah. But it's even stronger than I thought. Uh, yeah, he's, this is, he's in the zone. He's I mean, locked in. He's, he's never uh, had this kind of a spotlight before, and he is stepping up and performing. It, it, it's it is, impressive. It, it is. It, it's And it's so it, – it's not – I guess is natural the right word. It just seems yes. like he's in his. No, it is. He's in his place. He's in his happy place. He's loving it, and he just wants more and more. And That's if, why he's winning because this yeah. is. I mean, he he can improvise on the fly. Yeah, and come back with the with the, you know the shots. It, it, no, he's, he's now keep in mind this does not change my position. No, that he nor, has a, nor a mine. Very slim chance of actually winning no, the fight. Nor mine. outside of a dive. But if he can only punch as quickly as he can deliver zingers to Mayweather. <laughs> wow. Right? That's why it's essential that he wins the uh, verbal battle because <laughs> he's not going to win the physical battle. And, by the way, I, I don't believe – now, Mayweather, yeah. I firmly believe, will win, but he will win on points. He's not – I don't believe he'll knock Conor McGregor out. He, he just – Well, you've said that. You don't yeah, think that's – uh, No, he's just going to dance around, and he won't get hit, and he'll land some points on uh, – some punches for points, and then well, McGregor it'll needs, be a boring McGregor fight. McGregor needs to get those judges that judged the, the last fight in Australia. Right, in Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, against the school teachers. They need those judges to be in, in Vegas. He might need even more than that. Think so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What if he puts, like, cement? Uh, if, if McGregor puts cement in his I don't gloves? think it'll help. No, you <laughs> don't think it'll gonna, help? Because it oh, he won't make contact? That's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. All right, all right. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weeknights at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And the uh, NFL training camp period going to open up in less than two weeks. In fact... Scratch that. We are less than a week away from the start of NFL training camp. Our first catastrophic injury should take place six days from today. There'll be a handful of teams that will report their rookies will report to training camp on July 
19th. And as you know, this is July 13th, so we have six days to go before rookies will start practicing in the NFL. And then uh, early August, the first practice game that will take place, and so we'll be on our way. And then college football is going to get started soon as well. And one of the favorites to win the Heisman, to be the number one pick in next year's draft, is Sam Darnold of USC. The quarterback has scouts drooling. They are aroused about the idea that this guy is going to be a future number one pick in the draft. And several teams have already hinted at a stink for Sam marketing strategy to try to get that number one pick. But here's the the rub on this. Sam Darnold, the quarterback from USC, made a rather surprising declaration uh, this week And I'm surprised this did not get more play, considering how popular the NFL is and what a cult following the draft has. But the player projected by most to be the number one pick in the 2018 NFL draft made a declaration. Sam Darnold said that he does not think any team should tank their season because of him. So I wanted to talk about this briefly. Uh, the, The question here is, there anything to these particular comments? And while some will just brush this aside and say, well, there's nothing to it, uh, there is absolutely something to this. And uh, I got a couple of thoughts. N- number one, by the book. And th- the second thought I had was, this is conspiracy theory feeding. You know, and this is why you need to tune into sports radio. You know, the, the, the untrained ear will hear a quote from Sam Darnold saying, do not tank for me, and we'll just brush it aside and say there's nothing to it. This is why you come to the the gift of the gods that is sports talk radio for this kind of conversation. Uh, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Number one, I will completely agree with you that on the surface, Darnold saying that there's no you know, NFL team that should tank for him and all that, it seems like a harmless comment. It's certainly the right thing to say. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. It's modest. It's self-effacing. You win social media applause when you say stuff like that, uh, and you get a pat on the back. The the grizzled football type will say that's a wonderful thing. It's a good job by you. And this is the cliche by-the-book response, right? You're supposed to say that. It's humbling. It's the the thing to say, and uh, we certainly know that this is an incomplete quarterback, as good as he looked for USC last year. And I, I've been to a lot of uh, USC football games being based in L.A. over the years, and he's as he's probably better than most of these quarterbacks that have passed through. Uh, and they've had some good quarterbacks at the college level. Uh, keep in mind that pretty much all of them have stunk uh, in the NFL. But we have we've seen plenty of one-hit wonders in college football, right? So even though Darnold looked great last year, if you look at the track record – of quarterbacks recently. I mean, and you go back a few years, Matt Barkley, who was at USC, could have come out, been a top five pick, if not the number one pick. He went back to school, tried to get some fame at USC, and he ended up, a, I believe it was a fourth-round pick. Uh, did not go so well by the Philadelphia Eagles. Just, just look at Josh Rosen, UCLA quarterback. People said he was going to be the number one pick, and then he did a face plant last year, and it was a debacle for those gutty little Bruins of UCLA. His value plummeted, at least temporarily, in the eyes of the NFL. So, yeah, while Sam Darnold has advanced, he's still unpolished. 
in terms of being able to walk into the NFL and tearing things up. And so he'll be back, obviously, for another year. He can't go to the NFL, so he can be there for another year. And the expectation is that he's going to get better and that he is going to be the next franchise quarterback. But there certainly is no guarantee that he's going to evolve. Uh, and that's all you know, speculation, so an exercise in speculation. Now, I would bet on this guy. I, I, you gave me a, a couple thousand bucks and you put me in a sports book in Vegas. Will he make it? Will he not make it? Definition to make it, you not only are a starter, but you make multiple Pro Bowls. Yeah, I'm going to say that Sam Darnold does that. Uh, I wouldn't bet my life savings that he's going to take a quantum leap and become a great quarterback in the NFL. Now, the second part of this, and this is where it gets really good, and this is very nuanced, and I'm going to warn you, this might be too much for you. What I'm about to say might be too much for you about this comment by Sam Darnold, the USC quarterback. There's a bigger meaning to this. Telling NFL teams not to tank for you, again, seems noble to some. Many people say that. But it also serves another purpose. It's a message directed mainly at the Jets to knock it off. Now, I have heard whispers, and if you pay attention to this stuff, I assume you've, you've seen and heard the same stuff that I've heard. This is not a state secret. That some of those people around Sam Darnold do not want him to be drafted by the Jets. And there is some concern, there's some anxiety that he will end up playing for Gang Green. Some going as far as to hint that Sam Darnold, the, the people around him, his camp, if you will, if the Jets get the number one pick and it looks like Darnold's going to be the number one pick, that they'll have him go back to USC for an extra year to avoid the plague of having to wear the Jets uniform. That's a possibility. So uh, when the comment comes out and he says it seems like a harmless comment that no team should tank for me, it's being interpreted as a cryptic message to the Jets to stay away, or as LeVar Ball would say, stay in your lane. Do not draft me. Stay away from me, please. I beg of you. Now, the bottom line on this one, uh, you would think that any college player would be flattered to be the number one pick and would certainly want every team to think so much of them that they would intentionally lose games to get said player. Now, my counterargument is that the Jets and Browns are so terrible, so lousy, that even if they did not try to intentionally tank, they would still stink so much they would have a chance to get the number one pick. And the, the reality is if you're really, really good, and this is always my argument. I, I used to kill Elijah Manning when he stuck it to the Chargers. And I'll rip Darnold if he does this too, does a, a power play and, and tries not to uh, play in certain cities. But you know, e- Eli Manning was, was going to be drafted by the Chargers. They wanted him, uh, and they – they got the old FU from the Manning, the first family of football there, the Manning clan. They said, no, we don't want to go to San Diego. And so uh, Eli went to New York and the Chargers. They made a, a trade that worked out pretty well for them. Uh, and, and certainly in retrospect, uh, not as well as it worked out for the Giants, although the Giants not necessarily winning because of Elijah Manning, but you get the point. So if Sam Darnold is a truly transcendent player, it should not matter. He should be so good that he should be able to overcome the stank that is on the Jets. Now, here's how I relate to this situation. All right? 
When my contract was up at Fox Sports Radio last year, I was heading into free agency to be a radio free agent. And what I did was I encouraged sports radio stations and radio networks to get into a bidding war, right? That's what I, I, I took the opposite path of the USC quarterback. I took the opposite path. Now, fortunately, much to my amazement, I was flattered that Fox Sports Radio was able to back up the Brinks truck at, to the Maller Mansion and win the bidding war. It was, I was stunned by it. It was very, it was, I did not expect it. You're fired. Uh, but somehow we were able to work out a new contract. I, I just can't believe that happened. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, great mitts. Yes, of course. I uh, go home to a uh, sleep number bed covered. I don't have sheets on my bed. I have, I have a mattress, and then I have the, the sleep number mattress, and then I've got like a blanket made of like $100 bills. That I Straight have. cash, homie. It's like me and Money Mayweather. All right, so Ben Mather's show on Fox. Now, we have a, a comment that got a lot of play, and this involves the world of the NFL and Richard Sherman. Did you hear what Richard Sherman had to say? Richard Sherman commenting, on NFL contracts and how we can get more money, bigger paydays for the NFL. And he said, if the NFL players want to get bigger contracts, I'll give you the short version of this, they need to, sh- they need to be willing to strike. That the only way to get more money uh, is to get into a labor stalemate with ownership. And uh, he sa- Sherman said 100%. He said, quote, if we want as the NFL, as a union, to kind of get that NBA level, uh, to get anything done, Sherman said, players have to be willing to strike. That's the thing that guys need to 100% realize. I'm better at life than you. That's what Sherman said. So you're going to have to miss games. You're going to have to lose some money. And if you're willing to make the point, he said, that's how baseball and the NBA got it done. They missed games. That's what he said. All right, here's my uh, position on this. All right, uh, this is two things. This is a pipe dream and it's also self-preservation, right? There are you're not going to see NBA-like contracts or baseball contracts for two reasons. Number one, guys don't want to miss games, right? Even with the carrot at the end of the stick of a better deal, even if you got a better labor agreement in the NFL, this is the problem that you have in the NFL. You have a 53-man roster. If you got more money, the top 1% would certainly benefit from that, and the contracts would be cartoon-like, much like the NBA where they just gave out a billion dollars and 24 hours of free agency when that began. Uh, but if you, if you look at the way the roster is broken down in the NFL, if you put more money into the NFL payroll, the top 1%, the quarterbacks, a few wide receivers, maybe a running back here or there, uh, great offensive lineman, but it's, it's sparse would get that money. This is not a trickle-down situation where the money would go to the the guys that are 45th on the roster are not going to get that much more money. It's not the way it's going to work. That's a pipe dream to think that's going to happen. And number two, the, the argument is the same as it was back in the old work stoppages years ago in the NFL. You have a short window. You only play in the NFL. The average career is like three years or less, and you, you – Get that money. Get the paper, right? You start missing checks in the NFL, and while it is a very noble thing to do because you're going to be helping future generations in the NFL, ultimately we are all wired the same way. What are we wired for? We are wired for self-preservation. 
as much as we like to talk about, hey, we want to look out for future generations and all that, are you going to really leave money on the table so guys that are in college or high school right now, they can benefit from you losing money? Is that something you want to do? Most players will say no. They might say publicly yes, but there's not enough. There's not a majority that will do it. All right, Ben Maller's show on Fox. Edmund Dallas Steamboat Willie is right over there. There he is hanging out, schmoozing, doing his thing. I'm uh, sure you saw. Then This comes along with uh, how much money the, uh, the teams received last year. You saw the Green Bay Packers had to release because they were a publicly owned team. Yeah. Uh, all the money they received uh, last year from the uh, mostly from the TV deal. Money, money, money. $244 million. Money, yeah. money, money. Yeah. Didn't they add that up? Is that that is seven point eight wow. billion dollars wow. for the league. Yeah. Not bad. It's pretty good. I can see why the players might want a little bit of that. A little bit more of that. Now what's the payroll minimum in the NFL? Do you know what the payroll is? I do min- not know what that is. Doesn't that TV money cover just the payroll? So they they make money, they cover their costs for player payroll. They got to pay people in the front office and things like that, and there's up. Right. But the player payroll is covered just from national I, TV. I money. believe so, yeah. So it's not bad. It's a license to print money, yes? Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. We go now to Boston and we say hello to Blind Scott, who's on Fox Sports Radio. Hello, Blind Scott. Bunch of hookers and cocaine. I'll tell you, man, that golden ticket's the biggest failed experience of the show. I've never heard a good call come from a golden ticket. I'm standing outside in Causeway Street right now. I got a little bit of an audience here. People ask me where Kramer is. Kramer didn't want to get up this morning. He didn't want to leave the apartment. I didn't want to wake the girlfriend up. She's getting a place in Baltimore on August 1st, so that'll be a little better, though. But, you know, I, I can't stand this UFC fighting stuff, man. This Dana White is a bozo. He's supposed to be from Boston. I mean, this Colin McGregor, he's the biggest loser, man. I don't like white people. They're racist. You know, this guy's from Ireland. He should go back and eat from a wooden spoon and a wooden bowl and pick potatoes, man. This guy deserves no money, man. His, his, his uh, racist. IQ is probably about seven. You know what I mean? I'm a Mayweather guy, even though I don't support what Mayweather does, but I don't like what this guy's saying to him. You know, it's racist. You know what I mean? I'm a big Red Sox fan. We stand up for minorities around here in Boston. We care about people. You know, those states down south, I would love to just go up to a bunch of Alabama fans if they were up for it and just start fighting them, you know? <laughs> down south, it's made to discriminate against minority and dis- disabled people, you know? And that's the biggest thing that's wrong with our country right now, you know? Uh, the people that are with Darren Hernandez, they're going after the Patriots, and I think they should go after him for every dollar they have. I don't care if the Patriots get put out of business. You know, I already got six rings. You know, I'm, I'm doing good. You know, the Patriots gave me an extra ring because I'm the number one caller of the year. You know, I just can't get enough of this sports radio, though. I just love it. You know, Ben, when you came into Boston last year, I did everything I could to get you into the Boston market. I helped you negotiate your contract, but, you know, yeah. Fox just offered you a little bit more money, you know, and I, I that's understand true. that. Well, that's right. I, I, I would have loved to have uh, – I love bosses, you know, Blind Scott. I had a great me- meal with you. You didn't eat much. Uh, and when Kramer attacked the waitress, I enjoyed that. That was uh, was enjoyable, and I, I'd never seen that before at a restaurant, so that was fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I was out here the other night, and I, Kramer was with me, and uh, some guy's like, does Kramer bite? And I'm like, yes. And then he's like, well, can you call me an Uber? And I'm like, well, no, what do I look like? You know, it's crazy out here now that there's no sports. Uh, the, all the psychos are out here, you know? It's, yeah. it's a nightmare down Like you, here, you yes. Know what I, mean? I, I hear you. Yeah, I, I got you. All right, well, Blind Scott, be safe there, Blind Scott, all right? Yes? Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Ah, you're full of energy. 
Blind Scott bringing the gas, the wow factor. Your three calls in a row were the addiction (laughs) trifecta. (laughs) No one else has this. All right, no one. We're not going to beg you for money. No one else has this. <laughs> all right, and oh, keep in mind, I'd like to let you know right now. You might think this is bizarre. This is odd. This is weird. I don't know what I'm listening to. This is ridiculous. All of these people that have called up, as intoxicated, as inebriated as you could possibly be, right, gone to the wind. All of them were able to dial a phone. I have not given out the number in months, and they all figured out the number. They were all able to call the radio show. It's amazing. doesn't matter how intoxicated they are. No, no, no. This show is so intoxicating, I am gratified that they were able to call in. They find this so appealing, even when they're hammered, they have to call in. All right, let's get to it. Here we go. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. And we bring in the Coupe da Loop. Justin Coop. Ben, the Utah Jazz were a promising up-and-coming team last season, even taking out the Clippers in the postseason. Well, they would have lost if the Clippers had stayed healthy. Yeah, well, Rudy Gobert also got hurt, so that's not really he, much of an excuse. He, he's, but He's a puss. That's why he got hurt. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, well, what's, what's the excuse for, uh, for Blake Griffin and Chris Paul there? Well, that's bad luck. Anyway, moving on. Now with Gordon Hayward leaving town, early projections have the Jazz missing out on the playoffs. Rudy Gobert responded by saying, quote, if I listened to projections, I'd be playing in France. Ben, how far do you think the Jazz will fall next season? Well, I don't spend too much time worrying myself with the Utah Jazz, but but Utah is going to be one of the doormats in the Western Conference, and they're not going to have to worry about playoff basketball. This is going to be a contest for the Jazz with teams like the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Suns, the bottom-feeding teams in the Western Conference. And if you look at that roster, I know there's still some changes that are going to be made. They're talking about getting rid of Boris Diaw, and uh, they signed Cephalosha, Thabo Cephalosha, to a contract. I'm sure that'll make all the difference in the world. But the big addition, when you lose Gordon Hayward, and you're going to have some combination of Joe Inglis, Joe Johnson, and whatever other slop the uh, the Jazz can pick up, uh, it's like going from a penthouse apartment in Manhattan on the 75th floor of the most exclusive tower in New York City and then living in a gutter in Flint, Michigan. Uh, That's what the Jazz are going to experience now. Utah's big addition, the second part of this, is Ricky Rubio, who is a pass-first guard, which is great. He can't shoot. That's an Achilles heel in the modern NBA. And so barring injury to the elite teams in the West, the playoffs are pretty much set right now. You've got the Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, Clippers, Timberwolves, Blazers, Thunder, Grizzlies, who are your playoff teams in the West, and the Jazz, they'll win 30 or 35 games, something like that. But they're not a playoff team. They do have an edge at home court because visiting players cannot stand going to Salt Lake City. They don't like that there's not a great nightlife vibe in that particular town on the NBA circuit. But the the Jazz are going nowhere, and Rudy Gobert apparently is going nowhere either because he's pretty much locked himself to the Jazz. Good luck with that. Next! Conor McGregor is one of the best trash talkers in sports. We certainly got some more evidence of that today. 
His quotes certainly get a lot of airplay, but that doesn't mean he doesn't get some serious criticism. Now, after the press conference on uh, Monday, or on Tuesday, rather, many thought McGregor was being racist when telling Mayweather, dance, boy, dance. He was also accused of being racist when trash-talking Nick Diaz, calling him a cholo gangster. Ben, do you think McGregor is a racist? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't believe Conor McGregor is a racist. To, to my knowledge, he's not. I'm not a a Rhodes scholar on Conor McGregor. But first of all, it would appear, and I've watched these first two pep rallies for this fight, trying to get you to open up your wallet. Conor McGregor, I would put him in the LeVar Ball, President Trump camp. The guy's got no filter. He's an entertainer who's not worried about political correctness, and and that's not that's not how he's wired when he performs. Like a lot of people, when they perform, they're like, oh, "I got to edit that out. I got to no." It doesn't appear that Conor McGregor has that. That he's just going to say whatever, whenever, and however he wants. And secondly, I will quote Floyd Mayweather's dad, Floyd Mayweather's old man, who said that. No, there's not. Uh, these are not racist comments from Conor McGregor. Of course, he's got a vested interest to get people to keep watching. But there are a lot of race baiters that run around on a witch hunt, turning everything into a racially focused conversation. It's one of the fun things about living in America uh, today. Uh, here's my problem with that. There are real racists. There are people that are racist, and those people need to be called out for it. Do I believe that Conor McGregor is going to come out in that fight in August in a KKK robe? No. I don't believe that's the case. I don't think he's a racist. I think he's a knucklehead. Next! Ben, yesterday you mentioned uh, Nelson Cruz pausing the All-Star game to take a picture of Yadier Molina with umpire Joe West. My favorite All-Star moment. Oh, my God. Yes. Now, Ben, I know you're usually not the type, but who are some people that you've made a point to get a picture with? Yeah, much like yourself, Coop, I'm not very photogenic, uh, so I don't, I don't take too many photos. I, I, a couple of them, though, back in the day when I did some stuff with the Los Angeles Dodgers, I got photos with people who I uh, love very much and respect, people like Vin Scully, Ross Porter, Tommy Lasorda, people like that who uh, I was very fortunate to work in the same circles with. Uh, outside of that, uh, and there's a few random Media types. Does Pat O'Brien count? I have a photo of him sitting on my lap. Does that count? <laughs> uh, mm, no. Uh, yeah, we worked here together. Uh, oh, Penn Gillette. I have a photo with uh, from Penn and Teller, one of my favorite comedy act. Uh, I got a photo with those guys years ago. Or Penn, not uh, Teller. You snuck around his security and got a picture of Mayweather. I don't have a. Oh, what are you talking about? I don't have a. You did remember? Did I, did, oh, I I did get a. I wasn't in the photo, but yes, I yeah, I was able to dodge. One. We have yeah. a drop even. From yeah. That. Well, I, we were shopping together, me and Mayweather in Vegas. Yeah. That's, I got the photo. Screw you. <laughs> that's, that's I got true. the photo. That is it. Now the one thing, the one exception. I am not photogenic, but I have mascot photos up the wazoo. All right. I got multiple photos with my my brother in arms, Chuck the Condor. I've got photos with Clipper Darrell, the uh, who else? Billy the Marlin, the Suns mascot, the Gorilla, Kaboom, the Lancaster Jedhawks mascot. I I even had a photo done with Torch, the Dragon, the Bakersfield Blaze mascot. He died though. Torch the Dragon died unfortunately. Uh, I've got photos with the Memphis Grizzlies mascot, Rampage the Rams mascot. Uh, the UCLA Bruins mask. I can go on and on here. There it is. Mallard of the third degree. How did we do?
Then you pass this edition. That's a winner! Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weeknights at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's now time for... Time for... Well, hurry, hurry, I can hardly wait. Ask Ben. Twitter! Send us your questions on Twitter now. And another edition of Ask Ben. Everything you've been looking for. All the bang for your buck. The entertainment, it's innovative, it's creative, occasionally it's imaginative. Sometimes we even invent things. It's Ask Ben, and we pass the microphones of Fox Sports Radio over to the Koopa Loop for the reading of the questions. All right, Ben, we're going to start with a very important question for you. Okay. This is from Eric on Facebook. Hello, Eric. Ben. Are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles superheroes or just heroes? Couldn't their job be done by anyone with martial arts training? Well, that's a good question. Now, the way I look at the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they are superheroes because they're on TV and they're on movies. All right, And so that, to me, you, know, you, you, you could break it down that way, but they've got the great names Michelangelo and uh, Raphael and all. I mean, they're wonderful named turtles, and... Well, you could say, hey, I could go train for 10 years and I could learn uh, advanced karate and martial arts and things like that. No, no, no. You wouldn't get a TV show. You wouldn't get movie deals. And would you really want to go through the sewer and the gutter? Come on. They're heroes. They're superheroes. All right, next. All right, Ben, we're going to have another one for you. This is from Orlando on Facebook. Hello, Orlando. What's your favorite Hebrew cuss word? Now, I don't know Hebrew. I know Yiddish. Does, does he mean Yiddish? Probably. Like, okay, yeah, because like uh, you know, Hebrew, I'm not, I mean, I know it a little bit, but I, I know, I've forgotten most of it. Uh, Yiddish, I grew up, my grandfather spoke Yiddish, and so I, I would say, like, I, Nudnik's a good one, but that's not really a curse word. I, schmuck is one I use regularly. So I, I would go schmuck, which just means like a foolish person. That's, that's schmuck. Um, how many of these can I say, Coop? I don't know because some of them I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Uh, Mashugana is a good one. That's like we have a lot of our callers are Mashugana. They're crazy, right? They're absolutely crazy. Uh, so those are a couple of them. Uh, we'll go with that. I don't know if we can use the ones to describe uh, genitalia. I don't know that we want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't know which ones to dump. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, well tukis is one I use. That's that means uh, buttocks. If you hear the word uh, tukis, it means buttocks. Uh, that's what that means. So those are all. Those are some of them. The, re- right. the really good ones, though, I, I don't think I can use. Yeah. We've got a question for Eddie here. Oh, Eddie, the Godfather. Yes, this is from uh, from Petros. Oh, it's good to know the P's listening. Yep. Uh, what was the first NHL game you attended? Who was involved, and what do you remember? Uh, well, um, I did not grow up in Southern California. I grew up Uh-oh. in Central California. So Eddie, Eddie I, watched his first game two years ago. No, no, I came down to L.A. for the baseball winter meetings. It was during the mid-'90s looking for a minor league radio job. In Anaheim? Uh, no, it was in at downtown Los Angeles. Oh, really? Oh, okay. and, uh, and because I was here, I decided to, you know, obviously take, uh, take in the big city sports and so I went to a Laker game and a Kings game on back-to-back nights. I saw Magic Johnson play for the Lakers against the Vancouver Grizzlies. Nice. And then Wayne Gretzky and the Kings play against the Dallas Stars. So that was uh, 
pretty cool to see those two legends on back-to-back nights. I honestly don't remember who won the game. Uh, but uh, did you seeing, keep the ticket stuff? I did. You did. I, I did. Uh, yeah, you I can st- go look it up. Then, you, if you have it, you can go go to a hockey reference that's, and look it that's up. That's true. I could look that yeah, up. Yeah. I'm guessing the Kings probably lost, or I'd remember if they won. But well, uh, was that the when Gretzky was washed up because they lost a lot when he was at the uh, the end of his run with the Kings? Yeah, it was yeah. a few years after they uh, had their little magical run to the Stanley Oh yeah, then they, I was. I might have been at that game, Eddie. I, 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 it was at the uh, Forum. Was, the Staples yes, Center was, was not around back then. I was forced to cover the Kings by my station at, at those times. Uh, and so, yes, I might have been there. Wow. And we didn't even know each other. Just ships passing in the night. It's true. Amazing. Who knew? Uh, it's Ask Ben. Your questions are answers. All right. This one is for the crew. It's from James on Twitter. Hi, James. What is the most each of you have weighed? I don't know. You know, when you're, when you're at your fattest, you don't weigh yourself. You don't. Because the scale doesn't go up that high, uh, so I I don't I know when I and I always say I lost 200 pounds. I actually lost a lot more than that, but I don't know exactly how much I lost because uh, I didn't weigh myself at my fattest. So well, what's your boxing weight? Where where would your doctor say you're supposed to be? Oh, I I'm probably over my boxing weight at this particular. The doctors always go low. Yeah. Don't the I think the doctors always want you to be like uh, for a guy my my height. Probably I don't know two twenty or something like that. I'm a little bigger than that. So uh, what about you, Eddie? Before I started working here, I got just over three hundred pounds, and okay. I remember the really stupid, funny thing about that was, is that apparently when I stepped on the scale, I was like two ninety five. That wasn't a big deal, but when it went over three hundred, yeah. you know, like the alarm bells went off. I was like, Jesus, I cannot believe I weigh this much. Yeah, and uh, so. Thankfully, I've now I've lost like seventy pounds. I, I hear in my my head, I hear Looney's voice. Round yeah. numbers, round numbers, <laughs> two ninety nine, not a problem. Three hundred's a problem. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was stupid, I, but it was true. All right. And congrats on your diet, Eddie. You've been looking like a yeah, he's been MMA weight, fighter yeah. lately. Well, thank you. I don't know about that, but thank you. You going to the gym, Eddie? You working out? What are you doing? Uh, doing a lot of walking, playing yeah. hockey uh, on right. the weekends. All right. Not eating a ton. No treadmill. No. Uh, no. Nope, just walk. I, have, I live near a park, and I walk around the park every day. All right, that's cool. <laughs> well, as you know, Big Ben, I ride a bike on the weekend, but I can't go uphill. Um, <laughs> you, should, you know what you should do is get get an electric bike. Is what you should do. Uh, yeah, I saw those. Is, in is, San that, a, is that an inside joke, or what's the deal uh, going uphill? Oh, no, it's just hard to ride a bicycle. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, my- you ever try to ride a bike uphill? <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. I can Who do the it. hell wants to do that? My my father-in-law uh, is a big bike rider, and he goes like on these bike trips around okay. Europe and crap. And he wants to bring me, you know, because I'm the, the oh son-in-law. My God, no, you like, go over like a cliff I'm in like, France. Exactly. I'll <laughs> die on the side of a road in Germany or something. No. I think the the heaviest I've ever been is like 235. Yeah. I'm like 210 right now. I should be at like 180, 190. So yeah, they that's, want that's they want number. as low as you can go. Now Coop's like I think his biggest was five hundred. I think he weighed about <laughs> five hundred one time. You would think so with how he eats. Yeah. He just burned some food. Yeah, a couple minutes ago in here. He's got uh, a good anatomy there to burn because you should be heavier, Coop. I mean, right? I mean, you'd admit that, yes? I guess with your diet, I mean, what you eat. I don't know. I have friends that eat just as bad, if not worse, than I do. Well, and, you're still young though. You've got that advantage. You're yeah, still young I guy. think I think if I was I should be like a few inches taller, and then I'd be real lean, and I could eat exactly how I'm eating now. That's that's what I blame it on is my height. But no, my the most I've weighed is is 180. 180. Yeah. yeah. All right. But with your your height, that's a lot. I'm right? at like 165 right now. All right. You want to go weigh yourself right now? You want 
No, I just did. You uh, just did. I did yesterday. There you go. All right, uh, Ben Maller show on Fox. More of Ask Ben. Your questions, our answers. We'll get to that. We'll do it next. There's a whirlwind of excitement going on around our show Reddit page. Search for our subreddit, Ben Maller Show, and get the latest authentic listener-generated content about the Maller Militia. Now live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, it's Ben Maller. And it's Ask Ben. More of that right now. Let's get back to it. Your questions, our answers. A heavyweight matchup and the coop de loop the Kingfish reading all these questions. Ben, here's a funny little quick one. And we'll leave it just for for you and Eddie. All right. Is soccer giant grass hockey or is hockey tiny ice soccer? Ah, that's a good question. What's old, what is older, soccer or hockey? Probably soccer, I would think, right? I would I would think. Yeah. So if soccer's older, then hockey's a ripoff of soccer. That's deep. Eddie? It's a terrible question. The two have <laughs> nothing in common. Soccer oh, very is a similar. Lame, low scoring sport. Hockey They're practically is exciting. the same sport. Yeah, it's the same. There's no comparison. They both have shootouts. They have nets. That's the comparison. Well, the players on hockey don't really touch the puck much. Every once in a while they do, right? They touch it with their hockey sticks on all, well, all well, the time. And the, and, the, and the soccer players touch the ball with their feet. Don't they also have those terrible offsides, confusing yeah, Get rid stuff. of the damn. They're completely different, though. The blue line, get rid of that. At least hockey players are manly. Soccer players flop. Thank you. With like a <laughs> fingertip. There's hockey players in the club. No, not really. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. This is for the entire crew. This is from Ernie. When was the last time any of you changed a flat tire? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I am, uh, thanks to my, my late grandfather, Grandpa Jack, uh, I am a uh, AAA member for 70 years almost. Uh, so, But I did. When I, when I first started driving, my, uh, my, uh, my parents made sure I learned how to change a, a tire. I've done it twice in my life. But probably not in 20 years. I just call the AAA guys. Eddie, what about you? Uh, pretty much the same, although I didn't become a AAA member until I got married. Ah. Uh, so before that, though, I changed tires several times, but not since I've been married. Danny just changed the tire this afternoon. <laughs> Two years ago, actually. I ran over a big, t- uh, what do you call it, a nail. And oh, I, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. and it... It uh, by the afternoon I came out of my job and the tire was completely flat, so I got the jack out and put the spare on it and was off. What about you, cool? Putting those damn lug nuts on is a pain in the ass. Yep. I've never changed a flat tire. What a shock! Yeah, I, I, I'm always when I did it, I was always concerned. Mr. Hollywood. Yeah, I know. Not getting his hands dirty. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Cool. When you work on the set of uh, Liar Liar, there's people that change tires for you. That's right. <laughs> you know, right. You don't have to worry about that. You know, people chop, like chop. us. Yeah, exactly. We change we my tire. Yes. You know, we have to worry about getting grease on us. You know. So. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zin for a spin. Zin nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 